0: Welcome to the Lot Carry Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving podcast. I'm Reverend Dr. Jacqueline Madison McQuarrie, pastor of the First Baptist Church of New Market in Piscataway, New Jersey, and learning coordinator for Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving. The Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving weekly podcast grows from a multi-year journey among pastors committed to flourishing in ministry. This is a project of the Lot Carey Foreign Mission Society and is made possible through the generous support from the Lilly Endowment. Learn more about Lot Carey and how it helps churches to extend the Christian witness throughout the world at lotcary.org. That's L-O-T-T-C-A-R-E-Y dot org. Join us for weekly conversations with pastoral thought leaders who share wisdom from the Black church for the whole church. Let's join Reverend Dr. David Emmanuel Goldley, Associate Dean for Vocational Formation and Christian Witness at Duke Divinity School and the Project Director for Lot Carey's Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving. This week, he's in conversation with Reverend Brenda K. Harewood, Superintendent Pastor of Guyana Missionary Baptist Church in Guyana.
1: We've rejoiced to welcome into conversation today Reverend Brenda K. Harewood. She's the pastor and superintendent of the Guyana Missionary Baptist Churches, which has its headquarters in Georgetown, Guyana. Reverend Harewood, thank you so much for joining us in a conversation around flourishing in ministry today.
2: Thank you for giving me the privilege, Dr. Goldley. I'm delighted to be here. We've been conversation partners for decades now. That's right. We'll
1: just stop at decades. (laughs) (laughs) We've been on a journey with uh, a number of pastors for a few years on something we call pilgrimages of striving and thriving. It's a journey concerned with flourishing in ministry. And uh, we've been talking about flourishing in different ways. And one way is to talk about flourishing similar to a tree where there are sometimes leaves and other times blossoms. Sometimes the leaves are falling away and at other times there are only branches. But still, the tree can be healthy and thriving. Can you describe for us in whatever ways you are inspired today to talk with us about what flourishing in ministry looks like to you?
2: I'm a mature gardener. I like to, to think around and I'm beginning to see my daffodils shooting up. Um, so, but one of the things I, I think it's important to to realize that when we talk about thriving it's not limited to what the mere eyes can see that that growth is something that's going on even when we can't see it um, so i think for for ministry as we think about what it means to flourish i think one of the most important things for us is to realize the importance of authenticity, to, to be authentic in how you present and in who you are. And I think there are a couple of things for me when I think about authenticity and ministry, um, a sense of self-awareness, a clear and good sense of self-awareness. Um, the willingness to constantly evaluate and reevaluate oneself and to not get too comfortable in your successes, but to always encourage new growth. Because if you go back to the tree in gardening, if if you don't encourage new growths, especially if you're growing, I'm talking about flowers, is that they'll disappear. So, so, so there must be, um, the soil must be tended to so that new shoots are always coming up so that the garden can remain pretty. And then um, the other quality I think that is key is resilience. Um, because it's so easy for us to, to do well when things are going well. But 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 to know that that growth and, and living this authentic life requires the ability to, to push through. You know, I talked about the, um, my daffodils. You know, a few months ago there was nothing. It was just soil and whatever sod you'd put on it. but, but it was able to push up. Um, and, and so resilience, knowing that life is not, on ministry is not always going to come neatly packaged that there will be resistance there'll be change there'll be challenges but if we remain resilient god will make a way and we'll be able to thrive and bring forth beauty
1: thank you for talking about those daffodils i have them in my brain now and (laughs) just to push it a little bit further It can appear that there's nothing there, but there is something there. We just have to be patient, um, so that we can see what's there. So it's not that it was not there and then all of a sudden we made it, it was there all the time, but we couldn't see because we were looking in the wrong place. Yeah, it
2: wasn't time for it to bring forth what it was bringing forward. Growth was going on beneath the surface, and I think that's sometimes what we overlook, you know, so I think bulbs are a good way of reminding us that growth is not always at the surface, but they're they're in the growth that's going on that we will eventually see.
1: We've been talking about this idea of flourishing in ministry uh, by talking about a formula for flourishing, not wooden equation, but a formula. And it holds roughly that if a pastor's leadership capacity plus service context yields the ministry content, that there's a higher probability for flourishing. So we see it more organic and more uh, intertextual. We don't assume that you could just drag and drop a, a ministry idea from somewhere else and that It will flourish. Can you talk to us a little about how your context of service informs your content of ministry?
2: I believe that it's impossible to do authentic ministry if you ignore or are not in touch with the context because one um, way when I think of context, I think about it as um, the story of, of the people that it holds. And, and so when we think of ministry and we ignore the story of the people that um, we seek to minister to, then we set ourselves up for For failure, because one, we come not with the openness to be able to to hear and to feel and to know the people we're ministering. And some of the things I think that inform the story, the context, is one, the people's faith, their understanding of God, um, language, um, and, you know, in some, you might all be speaking English, but they're just little nuances in language that. That can make such a big difference in, in how things are perceived. I remember um, there was a young lady in an in, environment in where I worked, did ministry. And whenever we said anything about the Spirit, she would always clarify that the word Holy Spirit be included. That was very, very important to her. But it wasn't until years later I learned her family situation and, and um, some of the spiritual things that what spirit meant for her and, and the, the hurt it had brought. So, so language is important. Also, um, is in the story of the people that, that you know who their heroes are, who who the enemies are, how enemies are formed in some community, what are the things that offend people? And, and some of it is so offensive that it would go for generations. So, so knowing the story, um, being able to reflect with people on how they perceive success, failure, what are their fears, what are their hopes, All these things are what shape a person's story. So if you come to that context and you ignore this, how do you connect? How do you relate to to what people are dealing with? So for me, that's very, very important. I don't think you can do ministry without context. Um, So it is key.
1: Related to this formula, Uh, is context and how context informs the content of ministry, but we also have been encouraging pastors to think about how their capacity, how their leadership capacity informs the content of ministry. Can you share with us some ideas uh, that occur to you related to how a pastor's capacity contributes to content.
2: I also think it's important for us not to limit capacity to ability. And I think I think very often as leaders we confuse the two and we think it's based on our, our education and you know that kind of stuff. But I think when, when we, we're talking about capacity as ministry leaders, um, we must think about how pastors develop the, the ability to inspire others. So, so to me, that that would be some of the things where we talk, one of the things we talk about capacity. Because I think, I think a, a good pastoral leader, um, one of the things you should be able to do is help people to see in themselves what they might not even realize they have to, to help them to see their deepest, their, some of their greatest potential. I think one of the, the other areas where we can help, um, where pastors are helpful if they develop this capacity is, um, is realizing how important it is for us to connect to people emotionally. And, and I'm not just talking touchy, feeling, emotion. I'm talking about helping people to, to realize that, that you are aware of their struggles. You are aware, or you might not be living it, but you can empathize. So, so the ability to empathize is 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 area of capacity building that are key for 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 working in any context. Um, the other thing that I I think are some so another area for us to to think about is to to help people to to clarify for themselves what does success or 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 doing well in in my Goals and achieve. What does it look like? And and not try to define it for them, because because then we have people trying to live up to our dreams rather than their own. So so being able to help people to define for themselves what success looks like, and then um, the other area of capacity building that I think is important as a leader is we need to know as pastoral leaders that we are not called to be perfect but we are called to work with our greatest shortcoming knowing that we, we need to be aware of where our shortcomings are so that we can surround ourselves with mentors, friends, others who can help us to, to still reach the goal. But I, I think sometimes we are so bent and covering up where our weaknesses are that we overcompensate and, and, and overemphasize our strengths. And and in that but in doing that, we we somehow convey the message to congregants that you're not supposed to have any vulnerability. That 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 part of being in Christ is that you must be perfect. So so for me, when I think capacity building, I'm thinking of leaders. How do we
0: develop these things? A word to our listeners. Lot Carey's Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving podcast is funded by the Lilly Endowment through its Thriving in Ministry initiative. We'll be right back with more from the interview.
2: Since 1897, the Lot Carey Global Christian Missional Community has helped churches to extend the Christian witness around the world. We collaborate with indigenously led communities to bear good and faithful witness to Christ Jesus through ministries of evangelism, compassion, empowerment and advocacy in Africa, Asia, the Caribbean, Europe, North America, Oceania and South America. Together we are touching lives with transforming love. You too can help to extend the Christian witness throughout the world. Visit us at lotcarry.org. That's L O T T C A R E Y dot O R G. Thanks for praying for and investing in the good news globally through word and deed.
0: Welcome back to the Lot Kerry podcast Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving. I'm Reverend Dr. Jacqueline Madison McQuarrie, the learning coordinator of Lot Kerry's Thriving in Ministry program. Each week in this podcast, my colleague Reverend Dr. David Emanuel Goatley interviews a prominent black pastoral leader to gain insight for flourishing in ministry. Now, back to more of his interview with Reverend Brenda K. Harewood superintendent pastor of the Guyana Missionary Baptist Church located in Guyana.
1: The Lord has blessed you with uh, an amazing journey. You've studied and earned degrees uh, in more than one country. You're multilingual. Um, You've ministered in various ways in different parts of the world and some people would look at Reverend Harewood and say, wow, she's, she can do everything. Uh, but all of us know that even no matter where we are today, we had to get there. Mm-hmm. So can you talk to us a little bit about some area of leadership that you had to develop?
2: One of the areas I think that, and it has become my area of passion, um, is the ability to empower others. Um, I think when you are able to accomplish things and you know you are used to working and getting there, it's easy to um to buy in to the old pull yourself up by the bootstrap. But but we, we need to realize that we got there because others invested in us. And had others not made a way for us. Yes, you had to do the work. Yes, you had to do the study. Yes, it, but, but God used others to get, us where, get me where I am. And so for me, um, especially in this stage of my ministry, um, empowering others, is very 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 important for me and so you know the thing about empowering others is that you have to be willing to meet people where they are um, you have to admit that what you do what they bring their offering will not be perfect it might not be where you want it but that if you stay with them, it's not about you, but it's about bringing out their best. And so being able to be patient and to pour into others um, has been one of my learning and one of my growing and one of the places where I feel really comfortable in ministry.
1: Was that developing of patience uh, a comfortable learning curve for you or did you have to struggle at it? And how, and, and how do people go about learning to be patient?
2: I'm not sure that I, I set out and learn to be patient. I think patient becomes a part of the other things that I do. Um, the goal is investing in others. And one of the things that I learned is that investing in others does not happen overnight. So, so you have to give, like I was given the opportunity to fail and to try again. You have to, so I'm learning to extend that same grace. So, so for me, it's, it's a, having received grace um, to be at a place where it's important that grace is extended through what I do.
1: What brings you the most joy as a pastor?
2: Watching congregants find their wings.
1: What does that mean to find one's wings?
2: As you work with with a particular person or a group of person, and then you, you get to the point where you can actually disconnect and watch them thrive to go back to the language of this ministry. That, that's a, a good feeling.
1: Somewhere along the line, you've gotten some good advice about pastoral leadership. Would you mind sharing with us some of the best advice that you have received?
2: The best advice I've gotten is that I cannot pour from an empty cup but what it, what it calls me to is balance of mind, body, spirit. And it's, it's so easy to get out of balance because whatever the project you're on, you're focused on that, that you can overlook the others. So, so so the willingness to to re- to to be self aware when when I'm out of balance and to try to get back in shape. So so constantly reminding myself that if I pour from an empty cup, that I'm pouring emptiness, and to to try to to stay aligned.
1: For some pastoral leader who is listening to you, and they're saying, "Oh, she's talking to me today about." pouring from from an empty cup, what are some habits or practices or approaches that you find helpful uh, to fill the cup again?
2: Sometimes just disconnecting. Um, And 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 when I say disconnect, it doesn't mean leaving what you are, but being able to create space um, I know as pastors is so easy to get into a rut because you can start with balance and then something creeps onto your calendar that you intended just to be this one week. And then next week, something else happens. So, so being able to stop and to, to re-examine where the imbalance is and to try to get things back in balance um, to Be protective of Sabbath time um, and not just using the word Sabbath loosely, but that when we call it Sabbath time, that it's not just a time to to hang out or do whatever else, but that it is a time for reflection and introspection and meditation. So so that's important for me. Um, The other way that I try to refill my cup is exercise. Um I like to walk. so walking and it doesn't need a lot of fancy things, you know, just walking in your community <laughs> and take away the excuses. <laughs> so and um you know, I like to cook. So also making sure that um, I'm doing healthy. Um, and that you don't get off on a tangent and just making the things you like. And then um, trying, and and in this pandemic, this has been one of the challenges and trying to connect, reconnect socially, um, making sure that, you know, your your work life is not your whole life, but that you have time for family, you have time for friends, you have safe places um, where you can just relax and, revive. So those are some of my strategies.
1: Can you talk to us a little bit about how people might practice Sabbath, some things that they can do to practice Sabbath in a a way that is an authentic experience?
2: Um, And and I think for for each person, it's different. But um, but I, I think Sabbath requires time for For me, spiritual reflection, um, reading, meditating. Um, For some people, you know, if you sing, that might be a way that you might connect. But 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 it's important that it's a time that is not just empty time, but it's also a time for introspection and for for some form of spiritual discipline um that would help because out of the sabbath time there should also come time of renewal and for those of us who are pastoral leaders most of the time when we are in worship we are leading worship we are always doing but do we worship you know when do we create the time to be in God's presence not not because we are doing it right and you know if so many people are seeing it or we are leading people to do it, when do we spend time with God when no one is watching? And how do we connect and feel that sense of being in God's presence? Um, so so creating those kinds of space. So what we teach is authentic. You know, how, how do we lead worship when we don't worship? How do you tell people to pray when you don't spend time in prayer. So all of these things become for us intellectual exercises that we do with the people we lead. But if we are gonna be, I started out saying that part of ministry and, you know, being a pastor um, growing, you know, it must come out of a sense of authenticity, um, living an authentic life. So for us, for me, if you're gonna fill that cup and if you're gonna spend time with God, and you're gonna lead people to do this, then you must commit to it. So I think for our pastor um, and pastoral leaders, Sabbath should not be optional.
1: There are folks listening to this podcast around the world and across the country. Some aspire to be involved in pastoral leadership. Some are already pastors in various parts of their um, journey. What advice could you give to our listeners about what they might do to flourish in ministry?
2: You must live authentically. Part of authentic living means you should know yourself. You should commit to what you're doing. Don't just comply. Don't just go along. Be committed to what you do. And while you're on the journey, enjoy the journey. Reflect, laugh, cry, feel the pain. Don't be so quick and so focused on the next journey you want to be on. Live on this journey in an authentic way, trust God, because ultimately, God will see us through.
1: Reverend Brenda K. Harewood, the pastor and superintendent of the Guyana Missionary Baptist Churches with headquarters in Georgetown, Guyana. Thank you pastor for sharing this time and offering your wisdom as Thank we think you. about flourishing in ministry.
2: Thank you for having me, Dr. Goldley. Um It was a privilege. I pray that this program will continue to go well and that those who are participating will continue to thrive as they strive.
0: Thank you for joining us today for Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving, a weekly podcast from Lot Carey as we listen in on conversations with prominent pastoral thought leaders. Join us next week for a conversation with a new guest and fresh insights. Wisdom from the Black Church for the whole church. I'm Reverend Dr. Jacqueline Madison McQuarrie. Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving is produced in partnership with Good Faith Media. Music by Makita McQuarrie. Share the word with those who need to hear it. Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving, wherever you get your podcasts. Also, listen online at lotcarry.org.